0: Open them up to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. We will continue on with our, our study of this wonderful letter, and we'll just introduce some things that we'll get at next week, but they're things that conclude what we looked at last week and have much to do with what I just said, so it's not totally off the beaten path. Um, but John is going to take us now from what he has explained as the experience of being born again in our faith. A faith in which, because of God's grace, allows us to overcome the world, to overcome the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the sinful pride that we have in our stuff so that the commands of God become a delight. So the sacrificial love for one another becomes a joy. So when opportunities arrive to demonstrate that type of sacrifice and love of grace towards others, we do it with joy and not out of compulsion or burden that's the experience of faith that's born of in us of god now john's going to move us from that experience of that faith now to the content of that faith cuz you've got to be clear what that faith is rooted in and this is where he's going to go so first john chapter 5 let's pick up i'll go backwards to verse 4 that i just read and then we'll read through uh, the first next few verses i don't think we'll have time for everything this morning First John chapter five, verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth, for there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that, has been, that, he, that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God is born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us this is, and this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. That is the word of God. God, give us capacity to listen in the next few minutes. The background of John's letter that he's after in, in this section. It is to deal with the confusion that had arisen in this church through people that had come back in uh, who had begun to divorce the person of Jesus from the Son of God. They had begun to believe that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was in fact real, but he only became the Christ. He only became the Son of God. He only became divine as he entered into the waters of baptism and the Spirit came upon him, but as he was nailed to the cross, before he died, the Spirit of God left him such that it was just a man named Jesus from a town called Nazareth that died on the cross. And what John is at pains to make clear to his people as they understand what it means to overcome the world, what it means that God through grace has given them through Jesus, the victory that overcomes the world, is that you've got to know and be certain about who this Jesus really is. Because this is the ground, the content, the root, and the foundation of that faith. And these people had begun to tell this church and to deceive this church into believing that the Jesus of Nazareth and the Christ were two different people, not one person. The thing is, if they're right, if those people are right, then the death of Jesus of Nazareth is ultimately irrelevant. And if his death is irrelevant, then our hope is in vain. And as Paul says, those of us who are Christians, who are followers of Christ, are then in this world the most to be pitied. But if Jesus is not the Son of God, the one John said who came, then his death on the cross in our place for our sins would not be sufficient. This is extremely important because the heart of the Christian good news, or the heart of what we call the gospel, is that though our sin, the, the cost of our sin and the price of our sin or the wages of our sin against God, our lawlessness towards God, our treason towards God, our rebellion towards God, of the wages of our sin towards God who is eternal and is holy, though our sin cost us an eternal death, Jesus, the Son of God, came from the presence of God to this earth And in his body on the cross, Jesus, who knew no sin, exhausted in his body the Son of God, the eternal and holy wrath of God. That was due to you and I for our sin against God. And in his body on that cross, Jesus, the Son of God, exhausted the divine wrath of God and he suffered death in our place. Jesus, the Son of God, Paid for our sins. And God the Father accepted Jesus' sacrifice in our place for our sins and vindicated that sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead. This is the heart of the Christian good news, of the Christian gospel. And if those people who are whispering in the ears of that church are right. And on that cross, this man Jesus from Nazareth who maybe the Spirit of God came on at one point but now left before he died, if they're right, then all of that means nothing. There has to be another way to be reconciled to God faith in this man Jesus for paying the price for my sins faith in this man Jesus being vindicated by God and defeating Satan sin and death himself faith in this man Jesus that through his sacrifice i could be forgiven and reconciled to God isn't true and i've got to find another way if those whispers which is one of my favorite pastors said recently always come with a hiss towards the end if those whispers were true then the cross is irrelevant So John, being a good pastor, just won't stand for this temptation in the church. He just won't stand for this type of deception in the church. And so in these verses, John focuses the church back on the sufficiency of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus, in particular as it's seen in the cross. And we're just gonna run through a few to set us up for next week because of our time. Verse six, John says, this is he. This is he who came by water and by blood. Jesus Christ. It's odd language. It's very strange to us at times. So what's John actually saying? Well, you have to listen carefully. This is he who came. You kind of have to go back a verse to what we just read in in, in verses four and five. This is he who came. Who came? Jesus, the son of God. That's what Paul, I mean, John just said in verse five. Jesus, son of God. So the son of God came by water. He was the Son of God, John said, when he walked into the water of the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. He was the Son of God. He didn't become divine. The Spirit didn't descend on him. This random man, Jesus of Nazareth, at that point, and then Jesus of Nazareth became divine. No, the Son of God who left the presence of the Father and came to this earth, walked into that water to be baptized as the Son of God. He always was the Son of God. And he continued to be the Son of God, John said. He was still the Son of God who came from the presence of the Father to redeem the children of God when he was nailed to a cross and his blood was shed for our sin. He was still the Son of God. He always was the Son of God and he's still the Son of God. He came by water and baptism and by water and through blood on the cross. He never ceased being the Son of God, John says. An emphasis that John makes here, it's so drastically important for us and we understand this faith that is ours that indeed overcomes the world. John says he came not only by water because they were okay. These teachers were okay to say, okay, he, we understand the Jesus baptism, divinity, we're okay with that. But on the cross, on the cross, that divinity left him. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It left him, there was just this regular man, Jesus of Nazareth there, he's, he's not divine in that point. And John said, no, 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 no. He, he came by water, but not by water only, but by the water and the blood. This Jesus is the Son of God who came, and he was the Son of God through the entire process. He was always the Son of God. But Jesus of Nazareth being divine, being the Son of God, John's saying is not his own idea. Okay, what he ne- says next he says, The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. The faith that overcomes the world, the faith that overcomes the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the sinful pride and stuff and possessions that enables us to love sacrificially as we have been loved, that enables us to find delight and joy in the cultivation of the soul. It's not the product of human speculation. It's confirmed by God himself. John says, for there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. Three chief witnesses to the divinity of Jesus and all three point in the same direction that Jesus was indeed the son of God. He was always the son of God. He was always the one sent from the father and by the father. And here's where we wanna end this week and we'll pick it up next week. we ran right out of time here. I just wanna get you this far. Listen to what he says next. Just listen to how he reasons with this. And this is where I want to leave you. Verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Every single last one of us is accustomed to receiving and and sifting the testimony of men. It's natural for us in our own system of justice, in our own processing of of right and wrong. We we receive the story, the witness, the testimony of other people. How much more so than the testimony of God himself? I mean, if, if, if lesser, and let's just say humanity is lesser than God, let's just give it that this morning. If lesser human testimony and witness is received in your life or in any situation by you as significant, if human testimony is received by you as significant in determining something, then how much more so is God's testimony all the more significant and all the more inescapable? John has just said that behind these witnesses, behind the Spirit, Behind the water, behind the blood, that all point to Jesus is one supreme witness. God the Father Himself. He sent the Spirit. He brought His Son, whom He had sent, through the water, through the blood, on the cross. John says, God Himself has registered His most eloquent testimony to the glory and divinity of his son. Let's tie up to a bow what he said so far. The substance, the object, the foundation of our faith which overcomes the world, which makes obedience to God a delight and not a duty, is none other than Jesus Christ, the son of God, whom God himself sent to this earth to live the perfect life of worship and obedience in our place that you and I were created by God to live, a life of righteousness and delight in God. And it was this Jesus, the son of God, who then offered up his body on the cross for the wrath of God that was due to you and I because of our sin to be exhausted in his body of flesh. He died a brutal death. This Jesus, being the son of God, has been vindicated by God, raised from the grave by God, and is now testified to by God through the spirit of God himself so that those who trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins are indeed forgiven and restored. This is the good news. This is what Christians call the gospel. And this good news hinges supremely on the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was not a random man that the Spirit descended upon, But Jesus of Nazareth is indeed, always has been, and to this day still is, the very Son of God who came as God's instrument of redemption for the restoration of God's people to God himself for his glory and our joy. Are we going to say, are you going to say that you do not believe God's testimony about his Son, will you reject his testimony or will you receive it? This is the question that we each have to deal with and the question that I'm gonna leave you with. And John will pick it back up next week. So let me pray for us this morning as we go. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the power of your word that with your spirit causes our souls to collide with your beauty and your glory in the face of your son, Jesus. Lord, your word revives hearts that were dead in sin and trespasses, and I ask this morning that your word and your spirit will do that very thing here. Hearts that have been dead to you, I pray will be revived to you as only you can do it hearts that have known you and trusted you and tasted of your goodness that have grown cold and and hard and in sin and, and neglect, I pray that you break the hardness of those hearts, you melt the ice that's formed in those hearts, that we would again see your beauty and your glory and your sufficiency in the face of Jesus. We ask this, Lord, for your glory and our joy. Amen.